Tappers, what's up? I'm back. It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I did. Hanging out in Austin. We'll talk about that later. A uh, little notes from Austin at the end here. But before that, we'll talk about why the Milwaukee Bucks need to figure it out in the fourth quarter. We'll also talk about the Philly series, I guess, if you will, um, as well. I mentioned that. And then we'll talk the Brewers and why you should not worry about this offense just yet. Then lastly, uh, a dispatch from Austin. We're going to do a bunch of draft stuff with Murph tomorrow. That will probably feel, it's a daily tap, but it'll feel like a tap in the keg because we will, I doubt that him and I won't go 30, at least, you know, 45, 50 minutes. It's going to be a full show. Um, So him and I talking draft and then um, no tapping the keg this week, okay? Because it is our 414 episode. We are going to do a Milwaukee draft on Saturday. We will post it on Tuesday. And then Mitch and I will probably get back in the booth for 415 um, next week. So you'll probably have two tapping the kegs next week. Um, and that's sort of the schedule going forward. But let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and what happened in the fourth quarter last night against Atlanta. So Milwaukee Bucks were on their way to what seems what's seemed yeah what <laughs> see there we go what seemed like got to get back in the flow right seemed like a great weekend seemed like a awesome way to wrap it up it seemed like four in one week or three in one week and they would win three straight games and it kind of propelled them into a pretty easy week uh, going forward before their big two game series against Brooklyn next Sunday and Tuesday. So it seemed like that was where we were headed. It seemed all good. Bucks were up 10 points. Vibes were great. And then Atlanta caught fire, mostly with Lou Williams. Lou Williams had struggled for most of this game, and then Lou Williams got on an absolute heater. And as one of the premier microwave guys in the league, Lou Williams found his fire and could not miss. He was awesome down the stretch. I, I can't hate but then also Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is going to make me cringe every time I watch him play, as he should be in a Bucks uniform, but he's not because of Adam Silver and that snake Wojciechowski. And so, or Wojnarowski, excuse me, wrong Polish guy. And so it, it was just terribly depressing to watch the Bucks in the fourth quarter. Now, the optimist, which I usually am, I'm not in this situation, but the optimist would say, glass half full would say, look, this was a team who just got hot at the wrong time and everything went wrong for the Bucks, And that they not necessarily ran out of gas because I don't think the back-to-back can be used as an excuse as most of the starters did not play even 25 minutes in that blowout against Philly on Saturday is that they just, they, they got punched in the mouth and they didn't know how to respond. But the pessimist, the glass half empty person where I'm gonna be today is how many times can they get punched in the mouth in the fourth quarter and not know how to respond? It's like this team gets shell shocked if one if they if a team catches fire in the fourth quarter and they can't match the fire. And we saw some of this in on the last road trip out west where you know Sacramento got hot late. The Bucks were very lucky to hold on. Golden State got hot in the fourth quarter. And the Bucs got beat by one point after really commanding the game for three quarters. Dallas 
they played really well for three quarters again and were looking like they were at the finish line. And then Dallas got hot, very similar to what happened in Atlanta, and they beat them by double digits, and the game looked like it was out of hand. Now, those were without Giannis. So you, you go to yourself and you say, all right, without Giannis, like whatever, it, it's while it matters and while this team is good and probably a playoff team without Giannis, they still need him and they still need the Greek freak to be successful. And so some of this fourth quarter stuff is, is part to do with it. Well, then you play Phoenix and again, you were up by a few points in Phoenix. You actually had control down the stretch and then Chris Paul got hot. So then, and then you end up going to overtime. I mean, the game was great. It was one of the best basketball games I have watched this season in the NBA overall, not just the Bucs. Like it was a fucking fantastic football or basketball game. I don't know why I was going to say football. It was a fantastic basketball game. I guess fantastic or fucking fantastic football. It, it, the alliteration there. I'm a slut for it, as you know. Bitching basketball game, whatever. I won't sidetrack myself. The, the fact is it was an awesome game, all right? But the Bucks should have won in regulation. I, I said that on Tuesday's show last week where I was like, they should not let the officials decide that game. They should have won that in regulation. They let Chris Paul get hot, and they didn't They have anything to do. No one could stop it. And then you have Sunday where, again, a guy gets hot like Lou Williams, and you aren't able to stop it. So I'm okay with this happening once every now and again, right? It's basketball. It's a random regular season game. But when it keeps fucking happening, you have to be concerned. You have to be concerned about this Bucks team and how they are in the fourth quarter. They have to fix this. And you could also argue, I didn't throw it in there because it's a little different, but you know, Memphis, again, they kind of started to inch their way back and then they couldn't finish the deal because Memphis always had a shot for them. So how the hell do you fix this? What do you do to make yourself better in the fourth quarter? And, and I just don't know. Like, I don't know where you're at right now with the Milwaukee Bucks because you look at them as a team in the month of April and they're the fourth best team when it comes to net rating. They have a awesome offense, 116 points out of 100 possessions to have an offensive rating of seventh in the, in the NBA. Defensively, pretty good as well. 10th overall, 109 points per 100 possessions. But then if you add the fourth quarter filter, which remember our guy Mitch Mitch Ross was all over. One of the more one of the bigger kind of points that Mitch had pointed out. You look at the Bucks fourth quarter numbers, and right now they are 26th in the league in a net rating. They are allowing 124 fucking points out of 100 possessions on defense in the fourth quarter. That is dead last in the league. That is worse than the 2-11 Orlando Magic. That is worse than the 2-12 Houston Rockets. That is worse than the 4-9 Cleveland Cavaliers. What's interesting is Memphis has been very good in the month of April. They're 9-5, but they have a pretty bad net rating. So what the hell is going on? You have to fix it. And I don't know if it is Bud still trying to figure out how to make P.J. Tucker work. I don't know if it is the Bucks from a fatigue standpoint or just like get me the hell to the playoffs. But why are they playing so well in the three first three quarters and then it all falls apart in the fourth quarter? 
What, what, like, how is that happening? And that, it's just really hard to explain. And I think what Milwaukee needs to do, and, and this is more of a college solution than it is a pro solution, but Mike Boonholzer just has to be better with timeouts. And he just has to settle these guys down and say, all right, let's make some adjustments. Throw in a zone. Throw in, you know, some other defender. You know, I, I don't know. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Thanasis, throw in Thanasis. Throw in, you know, rotate these guys in. And a guy I keep talking about on Twitter, I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast, but I have no idea how you can play Dante DiVincenzo down the stretch. Dante DiVincenzo does not look like a last five-minute guy. I understand the guy's had some clutch moments in his college career, but he looks like he's playing with a, a pile of shit in his pants. Like, he looks like the pile of shit my dog uh, expelled this morning, which was sloppy and gross, and it was all over my hands. That's what Dante DiVincenzo looks like in the final five minutes. So I don't know if you can have him on the court. So obviously, I know the Bucks are working on this. Like, I'm not ignorant, okay? Like, I understand that Milwaukee is looking at this, and they're diagnosing this, and figuring out what they can do in the fourth quarter. But it's one thing to have it happen without Giannis. It's another thing to have it happen with him as well. And now it's a trend. And now it's a worry. And you're we're less than a month away from the playoffs. We are like three weeks away from the playoffs. And you have the worst defensive rating in all of basketball for the month of April with teams tanking. And you're, you're giving up almost 125 fucking points out of 100 possessions. That's so bad. That is so bad. I can't even begin to describe how bad that is for the Bucks. So I have to figure it out. I, 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 to really add some more salt to this wound, and maybe it's because these games are already in hand, the Thunder have not won a game in the month of April. They are 0-13. They have a better net rating than the Bucks do in the, in the fourth quarter. So it's a major point of contention. It's something that I think we have to watch as the as the week go, week goes on, as the month goes, you know we're going to be in May now. So you're like, all right, April's over. But if anything, April tells tells the story. And if we look back on this, we could maybe point to April and say, all right, this is where everything kind of went wrong for Milwaukee. I hope I'm wrong. I feel good. Like I, I I was. I think if you know Atlanta goes successfully, we're talking about can this Bucks team get a one seed? And now I'm just like, all right, well, we really need to figure out the fourth quarter. And that's that's really the, the number one priority. Bucks do have a somewhat easy week, though. I will say that before Brooklyn. Charlotte is a team that has given them problems in their first two games. Now, granted, one of them, they rested everybody. But you should be able to beat Charlotte. Um, they without Gordon Hayward. They, that should be a team that you'll beat. Now, the Bucks haven't won a game after losing a game uh, since the Denver-Memphis in early March. So the Bucks have been prone to lose back-to-back games. Hopefully, it doesn't happen against Charlotte. And then you have Houston and Chicago. I would imagine uh, the Bucks have a full rest uh, on one of those games, maybe the Houston one, where they just play a second unit. I think the second unit can beat Houston what they are right now. So I imagine you know, Giannis and the boys will get the day off um, on Thursday evening. So while the basketball was a bit, bit of a bummer on Sunday evening, the baseball certainly was not. The Milwaukee Brewers went 5-1 and one on their road trip. They had a little blip on Friday where they got blown up, partly due to Brett Anderson, partly due to Josh Lindblom. 
Uh, Josh Lindblom now on the Jeff Supan DL stint with a 10-day knee discomfort, however you want to call it. Uh, but Lindblom is now on the DL for the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers are still very banged up. And I was listening to maybe five minutes of local radio post game. I was like, all right, I'll turn this on. And then I just hear everybody bitching about the offense. Now, I understand that you need stuff to talk about. Mitch tells me this all the time. Mitch still works loosely in radio. And he tells me this all the time. Like when I get mad about radio topics or it, it just something drives me crazy, Mitch always goes to me and says, well, Charlie, they have to fill four hours. They have to fill whatever. But I, I don't understand the idea of people complaining about the Brewers offense right now. A, I think it's kind of a spoiled take. I think it's like, look, this team is a few games over 500. They're number one in the NL Central. Why are we bitching about anything at this point? Like right now, we should be pretty happy with what the Brewers have done through, you know, 20-ish games. Like that should really be what everybody is hoping. Like that should be what everybody's fired up for. Like everybody should be fired up for what the Brewers are right now as they sit today in the National League Central. The Brewers are 13 and 8. They have the second best record in the National League, or third best, excuse me, uh, to the San Francisco Giants. Giants have one more win. They are two wins better than the, or two wins worse than the vaunted Los Angeles Dodgers. They have almost a better, better run differential. They have the second best run differential, which run differential can sometimes give you sort of the answers, right? Uh, even after getting their asses blasted by 13 runs on Friday. Only the Dodgers have a better run differential in the National League at plus 32. The Brewers are plus 18. Uh, they have the they have the fifth best in the NL, or the overall, because the White Sox are plus 21 in run differential. The Red Sox are plus 20. So there are a lot of signs that the Milwaukee Brewers are really good. And the fact that we have people on local radio, you know, bitching about this offense and saying, well, I don't know what this offense is yet. Shut up. Why Why are we concerned? Why are we even worried about this offense? The run differential is great right now. So, and that is partly due to how good the starting pitching has been, but the offense has been doing what you need. And the fact is they just went Five and one on a fucking road trip that was San Diego and Chicago. You could argue two playoff teams. San Diego sure as hell can. They just took three out of four against the Dodgers. And you swept them on the road. And then Chicago, you win two out of three. And you're six and three overall against the Cubs through nine games already this season, by the way. And we're worried about the offense. Why is anyone worried about anything with the Milwaukee Brewers right now? The only thing really to be worried about is the health of this team. Because here's the other thing. They went 5-1. and one, And for part of it, they had they were down four opening day starters. They were down Colton Long. They were down Lorenzo Cain. They were down uh, Christian Yelich and Luis Urias. Urias then you know came back. Colton Long came back. But they were still down Christian Yelich. They're doing this all without Christian Yelich, Okay who I guess, according to John Morosi, he's going to be back sometime this week, which is great. But they're doing it without Yelich. They don't even have Yelich on their roster, and they're still winning baseball games. 
They're still second in the National League right now. They're still fifth or sixth in run differential in all of Major League Baseball. So why are we even fucking complaining? It's like a kid who has not even, well, let's use just a, it's it's like me. I'll, I'll use myself. I want to use a kid. It's like me having a great meal. Like at Franklin's, which I'll talk about in a second here, for my Austin, you know, trip. It's like me having a great meal at Franklin's, and saying, "Well, you know, I, I just wish I would have had a little more. I just wish I would have had a little more. I had three pounds of meat. I had four different meats. Yet I still want more. What the fuck do you want from this Milwaukee Brewers team? They are five games over five hundred. Again, I, I don't need to repeat what I already did. I, I already said it. But the fan, even, even this isn't even the fan because it's a media take. We don't need to always complain, okay? You can say if the Brewers had a run differential of like negative five, okay? That would be a clear-cut sign that this team is not as good as we think they are. And that would be fair to say, well, I don't know about this offense. And was today's was Sunday's game very frustrating? Absolutely. I thought the Brewers were going to lose multiple times. If you follow me on Twitter, I was like, we're going to lose this game. We're not scoring with runners in scoring position. And if you've watched enough baseball in your life, you know that if you do not bring in runners in scoring position, you are going to lose. Ask the Los Angeles Dodgers. That happened to them last night. Dodgers were 1 of 12 with runners in scoring position. The Dodgers could have easily ended that game. They could have put it away and beat beat up San Diego and had like 12 runs. Instead, they had 7 and it gave it left enough room for San Diego to come back, which they did and they won in 11 11 innings, which was an electric game and the reason I didn't podcast last night. Because then after that, I was like, oh, I'm tired. Like, the, the the Austin, all the caffeine from the day wore down. And I was like, ah, I got to go to bed. But the Brewers, yes. So one and nine. And then the, the ninth inning happened. And because the Cubs bullpen is hot garbage, the Brewers were able to strike with four, five runs in the ninth inning. And it was on silly shit. They, you know, they got hit by a pitch. They walked. They were very patient at the plate. And when they needed a big hit, Luis Urias knocked in a two-run single. And then Colton Wong knocked in a, a double. And they scored two more runs. And they had four runs. That's all they needed. And, and so Josh Hader got another day of rest. They didn't need to use Josh Hader. And, and they were able to end the game and win 6-0. So again, we should not be complaining right now about the Milwaukee Brewers. And if you're complaining right now... You sound like a spoiled fan. You sound like kind of an entitled Packer fan. That's what it that's what comes off. Because this team right now is playing awesome baseball without their full arsenal. So you're like, I this is how I look at it. And and maybe I know I'm just one person, but how I look at this with the Brewers is this team is 13 and 8, just went 5 and 1 on the road. Without some of their best players, what is the, what are they going to do with a full arsenal? Is this team going to be like the best team in the National League because they have an awesome pitching staff? I don't know. So we'll see, man. It's very exciting. 
As for what the Brewers will do with Brett Anderson's spot, I have no idea. I don't know if they're going to go to a four-man rotation. I don't know if they're going to bring somebody up. Um, you know, Andy Ashby obviously did some starting in the minors. Maybe it's an Andy Ashby situation. Eric Lauer um, was real hot garbage in the in spring training, so I doubt that it would be Eric Lauer in that situation. So I have no idea. Maybe Drew Rasmussen. Remember, Drew Rasmussen is a has been a starter before. Um, I don't know if he has enough. He kind of is like Chris Paddock, who the Brewers beat up on earlier this week, where he doesn't have a ton of pitches. He just has two pitches. And so that can only get you so far, but maybe the Brewers see it as we'll go with Rasmussen and Suter. Brett Suter is all, Brent Suter, also a guy who could be out there. Now, I could see a piggyback situation where they go Rasmussen for four and Suter for four. I'm sure Craig Council will announce this on Mondays, before Monday's game. They play the Marlins today. Um, Corbin Burns on the mound, Corbin Burns day. Um, you can go to the stadium very cheap. I... I kind of thought about it, but I'm so busy with A, work, but B, I have a lot of shit going on. So like today is my only like free day. So I'm not going to go see Corbin Burns. Uh, but if you can, I mean, it's Miller High Life Mondays. You can get a Terrace Reserves ticket for six bucks. Like, why wouldn't you go see Corbin Burns tonight? A uh, face off against the Miami Marlins, who are coming off a series against the Giants where they lost three or four. That's a tough little road trip, right? You're going from San Francisco to Milwaukee. Um, probably got in last night around midnight or so. So there could be a little fatigue, but definitely a little hangover from the Brewers. They faced their first two lefties of the season uh, in, I think it's Tyler Rogers or Taylor Rogers. Is it Tyler or Taylor? Trevor. I was wrong T. Trevor Rogers tonight, Daniel Castellano, Castano tomorrow. Uh, but we'll see how the Brewers do against Rogers, who's pretty good. He's been good so far this season. Uh, but it'll be nice for the Brewers to see some lefty pitching as they have not seen any uh, so far this season. This will be the first time they're facing a starting left-hander in a long while. So look forward to that. Should be good stuff there. All right. So as I mentioned, I was in Austin over the weekend. Um, I don't know how many of you care. If you don't, turn off the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow with Murph and I. Uh, but I was in Austin, so I thought, ah, why not talk a little bit about it? This is a, another edition of Chuck's Corner, if you will, uh, where I let the people in on my personal life. Austin, great time. I had a lot of fun. I would recommend it to anyone. I think anyone would have a really good time in Austin. I think you could do it in a lot of different ways. I think that's what makes it cool. Um, and we just explored. Like We didn't really have an itinerary. We didn't really do anything momentous um we didn't see the university um which was kind of i would say if that was the one thing we didn't do where i was like i, I wish we would have done that but the weather wasn't that great um on friday and we had other plans friday as well so like if the weather was great i think maybe we would have we would have made it there or i think we would have went by the pool really this was a vacation my fiance just wanted to kind of relax and be by the pool which we were on saturday uh for most of the day which was great and the pool was like a uh, poor man's version of Vegas. I don't know if you've ever been to a Vegas pool party, um, which is an incredible environment and one of the easily like top five best party environments of my life. Um, I've been to two of them. I would go back at least once a year if I could, um, just for that. That like that vibe is crazy. It's awesome. Uh, the weather's great. Somehow you don't get sunburned. I, I think it's because you're in a cabana. So like you, if you get a cabana, you're not out in the sun all day. Like my ass is very sunburned. I have 
a big burn on my left side and I am just caught, like it hurts like it hurt to put on a shirt today uh, so that's fun um, but but it was worth it like I had a great time um, drinks were good uh, the vibes again were great um, and amazing amount of women who just wear thong bikinis like thong bikinis are so in and just yeah there were a lot of butts my fiance's like what's your favorite part of the day I said the butts and I was kidding, um, mostly. But seriously, it was crazy. Uh, that just kind of blew my mind. And yeah, no, it was a great time. And it, that was a lot of fun. And just enjoying, I, I read a little bit. I, I'm not a reader. I read, was reading, I read about 75 pages of a book called Boomtown about the Oklahoma City Thunder and the city of Oklahoma. Or the, the city of Oklahoma City. <laughs> it was like the city of Oklahoma. Uh, still a little, little jet lag from yesterday, apparently. Also, uh, Franklin's Barbecue uh, is, there's a reason why it's considered the best barbecue in the country. And it's why people wait four to five hours for it on a usual non-COVID environment. And so in, with, for those who aren't familiar with Franklin's, Franklin's is a very famous barbecue place, place in Austin, Texas. Usually in non-COVID era, you have people who wait in line four to five hours and they'll like tailgate. So basically they're like tailgating in line. You bring a chair, you bring a cooler and you're just kind of, you're hanging out in line with people and you're just shooting the shit, enjoying just waiting for barbecue and hoping that when you order the barbecue inside, nothing that you want is sold out because they just cook until they're sold out and that's all they do. And they serve lunch and that's it. So they are very rare and unique. But because of COVID, they obviously don't want these long lines. So what they did was they created this curbside pickup program as well as a you know visitor's area if you're standing, which we were because we didn't have a car. And you order ahead of time. So you're able to order. I ordered a month in advance. I think you can order longer than that. So I ordered a month in advance. I ordered a bunch of brisket, ordered some pulled pork, some ribs, some a sausage just because I wanted to try it. So I was like, all right. Here we go. We have everything. And we walked over to the park. It was very nice. And the food was incredible. I was actually surprised that I liked the ribs better than the brisket. They're known for their brisket. I thought the brisket was good, but the ribs were phenomenal. They were, and I'm a huge ribs guy. Ribs are probably my favorite meal. And it was, they were some of the best ribs I've ever had. They fell off the bone. They were so good in terms of just the flavor the tenderness, just it, it, the, the rub that they had, which I think was like a mustard seed with obviously some barbecue sauce and some other stuff. It was unbelievable. As Guy Fieri would say, it was out of bounds. Now, the brisket and the pulled pork were also very good. The brisket was very unique, had like a pepper ring that I have never really seen. I guess that's a something Aaron Franklin, the owner of Franklin's Barbecue, does. Um, and with his meat. And so that was that was fantastic as well. Um, was really, really good. And I I liked it as well. But again, I thought the ribs were fantastic. So and there are other spots like Terry Black's is another barbecue spot that is pretty well known in that area. That so if you can't get Franklin's, do that instead. Um, one of the other things that of Austin that was really interesting, I guess John Taffer was there last night uh, for Bar Rescue at 6th Street. 
Sixth Street is known. It's world renowned. It's very famous. It's similar to Bourbon Street. It's and it's also similar to Bourbon Street in that it's really fucking seedy. It is just a very weird vibe. It it, it feels like a worse version of Water Street, right? Like you, it has a ton of bars. Like they have bars. Literally, you can go bar to bar to bar, like and not stop. But it's very sort of. I, I, the word I used to my dad was seedy, and it is. It's just it gives you the creeps. It, it just the people there are kind of not necessarily like it. It just the vibe does not match what you what you would expect it to be. And so you hear all the time about Sixth Street, but yeah, we we spent just a little time there. A walking around during the day, which probably added influenced our opinion a bit because you know when you walk around. A very popular bar area during the day. It's like, oh my god, what is this place? Like we, we, you know, if you do that at Water Street in Milwaukee or in Eau Claire, you're like, god damn, this is what what's going on here. But even when we went, you know, early evening on Saturday before our dinner, like I was like, ah, six is just not not our jam. But really liked West Sixth Street. So West Sixth Street though is awesome. Like West Sixth Street, great time. Like you, if you were going in that area, you'd love it. Um, just a ton of bars, different kind of elements that you like. If you want a club vibe, have that. You want more of a chill, relaxed vibe, definitely available. So I, I would, you know, oh, easily recommend that over. And then Rainy Street was just an absolute party. Um, unbelievable amount of people. Could not believe how many people were there. Um, and just, it was an awesome environment and definitely something where if we had not had a really early flight, would have wanted to just be in that, that environment for a longer time than we were, but we had to get, get home early, which totally understand that. And it was easy to pull myself out there. What I, I'm sure you're wondering if maybe you're not, who knows, um, if you're like, well, what were the, what was the mask? sort of stuff like as you know texas has pulled off their mask mandate well most places still had a mandate for themselves like our hotel did you had to wear a mask pretty much when you weren't um you know in your room and you had to have your mask on you supposed to have it on at the pool no one really followed that once you got out to the pool your mask was off and it pretty much stayed off until you went to the bar the bar asked you to put a mask on i i obliged i think everyone else obliged as well and, but at the bars, you know, at first like, we had masks on there and you you asked and you're like, do, do I need this? And they're like, no, you're good. It's your it's your choice. And it was just so great. And it was so awesome to like have sort of this optional and I'm fully vaccinated, so it doesn't really affect me and have this sort of like do it, do your own thing, police yourself. And it was your choice. And I loved it. And I'm like, why can't everybody just adopt this? Like, why can't we just go to a point where if you want to wear a mask heading into a bar and you want to wear it inside, you certainly can. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. And and if you're fully vaccinated, you're great. The people who are, you know, that are not vaccinated and not wearing masks, those are the ones that are at most risk. Those are the ones that are risking it for themselves. You, everybody has had an opportunity to go get vaccination, vaccinated. And if you haven't, like, do it today. You can go probably make an appointment in the next few hours, okay? So I 
I think it's one of those things where we, at some point, we have to understand that everyone's had the opportunity to get vaccinated. Some people aren't still vaccinated and that's their choice and they're making that choice. And so we should be able to live our lives because everybody has made a choice. That's kind of America, right? Like you're able to make either or. And that is going to be a very hard pill to swallow when I go to the bars on next Saturday, likely. And I have to be wearing a mask inside and have to be, you know, very conscious of it. I don't think I'll forget to do it. And I'm not going to be an asshole about it. And that's another thing. There was a guy at Franklin's. Franklin's was pretty adamant. Hey, keep your mask on if you're waiting for food. And this guy wasn't wearing one. And the guy's like, hey, can you put your mask on? He's like, well, I'm leaving. Like, whatever. Like, fuck off, dude. If if a place asks you to do that, you're a fucking asshole if you don't. So, and you're probably like, wow, Charlie, you just said, hey, it should be optional, whatever. Well, it's the company's choice. And some may keep it on until the end of this year or next year. Who knows? And guess what? At some point, they're going to lose business because people are going to be like, I'm not wearing this thing and I'm not going to go to your place. But we just got to ride it out, man. So, all right, that does it. Um, back tomorrow with Murph talking draft. I doubt we'll do anything else um, but to the draft. Um, we'll just kind of do a deep dive about what the Packers might do, what might go on with our division rivals, what might go on with our NFC rivals as well, um, and just really kind of empty sort of the notebook as, as we will with the draft, getting ready for Murph's big board, which goes on the website uh, early Thursday morning, as well as um, everything else. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.